The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture. And a good Monday afternoon, everyone. It's uh, coming up on 17 after 12, after 1 in Manitoba. I'm Rod McDonald, filling in again for Doug Faulkner as Doug enjoys some vacation time this week. And next week, he'll be uh, back, although he will be and not here in the studio. He'll be attending Ag in Motion, or at least for a portion of the week. Of course, the annual Ag in Motion show coming up near Langham next week. And by the by, we'll chat with the Rob O'Connor, who's the show director, get a bit of a preview of uh, what's coming up at Ag in Motion next week. Also on GX on Agriculture today, Kevin Hirsch is concerned about the drought situation, and he says that... Uh, Many fields in Saskatchewan and certainly in Alberta won't see a combine this year, and he expects that crop insurance claims are going to go through the roof. We'll hear more from Kevin Hirsch. Of course, he's a well-known agricultural commentator, writes a column in the Western Producer and farms in the Capri area, so Kevin will join us on the program today. Also, uh, Adam Puckalo with PI Financial will be along to talk a little bit about uh, grain markets over the past week or so here. Also, if time permits, we'll speak with Jill Burvey, or Burway, excuse me. Uh, Jill is the president of Manitoba's Keystone Agricultural Producers, a position she took over earlier this year. She certainly had lots of experience with CAP, having been on the executive for, what, four or five years, I guess, prior to taking over the presidency. But we'll hear from Jill on the program today as well. First, though, it is time for the Agriculture Weather Outlook, and it's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. And Sean Prehika, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And it's time now for Precision Weather with meteorologist Phil Spivak. Phil, off to a beautiful start to the week. Uh, how's the rest of the week shaping up? Well, not bad. And not, perhaps not as perfect, although tomorrow uh, comes in a pretty close second. Might even, depending on the exact temperature you like, might be a little better because the wind is down a bit tomorrow. We have seen a bit of a breeze through the day, but that's really our biggest concern of the day is that wind, which is up gusting around 40, 45 kilometers per hour at times, Sunshine is the rule. The air is pretty dry. Dew points down in the mid-single numbers. So with temperatures in the upper teens, that puts the humidity at around 40% or lower for most of the afternoon. But we're in the upper teens today. We drop off to 7 tonight with a clear sky. The wind into the evening starts out strong and then drops off pretty sharply, pretty quickly uh, through the evening and overnight. Nearly calm wind later on and into tomorrow, mostly sunny with just a gentle breeze. It does turn into the south to southeast. We'll tack on just a few more degrees up to a high of 21. Still mainly clear and still fairly dry Tuesday night. The low is 8. And then we're watching a, a couple of weather features. One tomorrow is tracking off to our southwest. It's moving from uh, southern Alberta across southern most parts of Saskatchewan into North Dakota. It looks like that one should miss us. That's why I'm calling it mostly sunny versus completely sunny. There will be more cloud cover for areas off to our south tomorrow. Most of us see very little cloud cover, especially uh, very little in the way of significant cloud cover. That passes by. We're back into a clear sky for Tuesday night. Wednesday, we have another system coming in. This one looks just as insignificant. 
but it comes in a slightly different track, which means I think we will get some cloud cover for most areas. We'll say uh, partly sunny on the average. The front dropping in from the north has not a whole lot of moisture with it. There's going to be uh, quite a bit of shower activity closer to the center of that storm, which is way up in northern Manitoba. So what we're dealing with is just a little bit of a trailing front, a little extra energy with it. A little extra moisture in the atmosphere gives us a chance for getting a few showers uh, for areas well north. What we all have by the time it gets here is just that cloud cover. 22 is the high. The wind shifting more to the west to southwest on Wednesday. Thursday, we do it one more time. There is a, uh, a front that will drop in through the day. And then a little upper-level energy. In fact, what looks to be a fairly strong upper-level system developing, this one could be a major player for the eastern part of the country, both U.S. and Canada, in fact, as it produces another round of rainfall across much of Ontario, Quebec, and into the northeastern U.S. But for us, what it's going to do is send these little disturbances our way. And these little disturbances, while none of them look particularly impressive for producing major rainfall, the persistence of them, the general instability, and a slightly cooler air mass overall uh, will give us a chance for some showers. We'll be in the low 20s, uh, but it is noticeably more humid, and each day, Thursday and Friday, a few showers, and it looks like that chance of showers likely holds through Saturday as well. Thank you, Phil. Now turning to this hour's temperature roundup, it's 15 in the Paw. Swan River, Shoal Lake, Russell, Hudson Bay, Winyard, Medina, Kelvington all check in at 17 this hour. 18 degrees in Dauphin, Brandon, Broadview, and Mooseman. Uh, 16 degrees for Roblin. Regina, 20. Saskatoon, 19 degrees. And uh, Swan River, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, Hudson Bay, Shoal Lake Russell, Swan River again, uh, all at 17. In the Yorkton Melville region, it's sunny. The wind is west, 22, gusts up to about 35 clicks, relative humidity 41%. And our current temperature up one in the past hour, now 18. Yesterday's high was 25, the low 10, no precipitation in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. Normals for this period, daytime highs 24 with overnight lows near 11. Sunrise this morning was at 4.46. The sun will set tonight at 9.04. Hot spot in the province yesterday, Valmarie got up to 33 degrees. The Saskatchewan cool spot, Collins Bay at just plus one. In Manitoba, Melita the best, 30. Lynn Lake, the Manitoba cold spot at four degrees. And as for the Canadian hotspot, of course it's Lytton, B.C. It seems it's always Lytton, B.C. with the highest recorded temperature in the country. And uh, that was the case again yesterday, getting up to 38.9. Once again, currently in Yorkton, Melville, sunshine and 18 degrees. It's coming up on 1225 now, 125 in Manitoba. Quick break and we're right back after this. 26 after 12, after 1 in Manitoba. AgriView is next at 12.30. Canola and wheat futures were up this past week. Future Commodity Advisor with PI Financial, Adam Puckalo, says the Ice Futures November canola contract was up $17 on the week. We've seen a very large increase. Now since June 1st, the November contract has gone up approximately $130 a ton. Uh, so that's quite a big of a move now in just over a month here. Buckalo says the Statistics Canada seeded acreage report on canola, as well as the soybean market, influenced canola prices. 
we've seen a, a very large increase. Now since June 1st, the November contract has gone up approximately $130 a ton. Uh, so that's quite a big of a move now in just over a month here. I am talking to a, quite a few clients on how their crop isn't looking very good and, and they are needing a rain. So we saw kind of some bearish news from StatsCan, but then actually very bullish news on the soybean side of the market. So right now it seems that the U.S. soybean crop uh, is at its worst start since 1988. So uh, that's, you know, a, a very you know a big surprise. Uh, however, there is still significant time for improvement in the crop conditions. So I believe that, you know, right now producers, especially with kind of, again, soybeans having a large increase, helping canola out recently, uh, that now might be a time if farmers haven't sold very much new crop, it could be a time to potentially catch up on some sales or even protect using futures and options, uh, especially if they're unsure of what their crop is going to be like. Puckalo says Minneapolis wheat was up about 40 cents a bushel last week, but he still describes it as trading sideways. Seems that kind of the bear camp uh, still holds a kind of a firm grip on on wheat. Um, you know, not really letting it go kind of too much, too far or higher, but also again not not as much kind of lower. Um, you know, there have been some heavy rains across Kansas and Oklahoma that I've read about, so it's not really kind of flushed out any kind of aggressive buying that type of thing. The USDA drought monitor showed about 19% of spring wheat is in drought, whereas the same time last year, kind of that that's kind of what I'm seeing. So I'm seeing that there's again a lot of uh, several areas that have inconsistent weather, especially in Canada here. And that's kind of the story that I'm hearing from a lot of farms is the need a rain or, you know what, they're fine, but certain areas aren't getting it. It's very patchy this year for sure. And finally, Buckalo says this week's interest rate announcement from the Bank of Canada is something worth watching. It looks like the Bank of Canada will could potentially be raising rates again here this uh, kind of this month again. So that's actually causing the Canadian dollar to kind of go back up higher a little bit here. It did reach about uh, 76.2 cents here kind of last week. Um, and then it's kind of dropped all the way back down to about 75. And But now we're kind of starting to climb again. So talking with producers on how they can maybe protect, protect their currency risk in their operation because that's definitely a, a big part of it. Adam Puckalo is a futures commodity advisor with PI Financial in Regina. It's 12:30 now, 1:30 in Manitoba, and it's time for Ag Review. It's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. DX94 Ag Review. Many fields won't see a combine this year, and crop insurance claims are going to soar. That rather dire prediction today from agricultural uh, commentator Kevin Hirsch. Hirsch says drought conditions have made headlines in Alberta, but he says the extent of the problem isn't yet fully appreciated in Saskatchewan. Hirsch says the dryness has been expanding, with markets and governments slow to realize what's happening. With high temperatures and relatively little rain in the forecast, Hirsch says he expects Saskatchewan's topsoil moisture rating will continue dropping, and with that, 
more news of crop and hay devastation. Producers have delivered over 56.5 million metric tons of principal field crops into the licensed handling system this crop year. The Canadian Grain Commission reports that's up 40% from the previous crop year and 6.8% higher than the five-year average. Wheat deliveries are 15% higher than the five-year average. Durham is up 18.6% and oats 14.7%. Flax deliveries are down this crop year 49% from the five-year average. And canola deliveries are down 1.7%. CN and CP Rail supplied a combined 87% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 48, a decline from 90% order fulfillment the previous week. It was the poorest performance for the two railways combined since week 36 back in early April and marks the first time since week 36 that the railways on a combined basis have failed to supply at least 90% of cars ordered. CN supplied just 75% of hopper cars ordered on time in week 48 down from 81% in week 47. CP order fulfillment was unchanged, with the railway once again supplying 99% of cars ordered. Richardson International announcing plans to upgrade eight elevators located on Canadian Pacific Kansas City rail lines in western Canada, three elevators in Saskatchewan at Whitewood, Nicomas and Estevan will be upgraded, along with Dundonald in Manitoba. The other four elevators are in Alberta. Richardson officials say the work will allow these sites to load longer trains under CPKC's 8,500-foot high-efficiency product model. A changing of the guard at the Canada Grains Council. Pierre Patel is assuming the role of chair of the Greens Council Board of Directors, replacing Rick White, the Canola Growers Association. Greg Cherowick will take over as vice chair. Patel is president and CEO of CropLife Canada. Cherowick is president of Pulse Canada. Syngenta Canada is launching a new fungicide for sclerotinia protection. It's called Maravis Star. Syngenta officials say where other sclerotinia fungicides are applied at 20 to 50 percent flowering. Moravis Star allows growers to start spraying earlier and protect more acres. Syngenta Canada technical lead Carolyn Wilson says Moravis Star provides significant yield increases compared to an untreated acre. Against competitor sclerotinia fungicides, Moravis Star provided an average 1.4 bushels an acre advantage. Field-scale trials with Moravis Star are being conducted on farms across western Canada this year, and it's expected to be commercially available for the 2024 growing season. And that's today's Ag Review. It's coming up on 1235, 135 in Manitoba. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. 
Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. We have the uh, closing livestock futures coming up next. I'm joined on the program now with the president of Manitoba's Keystone Agricultural Producers, Jill Verway. Verway assumed the role of president in January of this year and has served on the executive of CAP for five years. The Verway's farm near Portage La Prairie. I farm alongside my husband and he farms with his three other uh, brothers, and we have a four-generation family farm, so it's uh, our children are involved, and our, my uh, in-laws' uh, children are involved in the farm, and uh, we have a uh, mixed operation, uh, we farm about uh, 8,000 acres of grain, and we have uh, a Charlay commercial beef herd, and we also have uh, dairy, we milk uh, 150 dairy cows as well. And how are your crops progressing at this point? I farm alongside my husband, and he. I think we've we've seen. I think if if there's one word that describes any, if you talk to any producer, it's variable right across the province, and and even south of Portage, uh, even we we have uh, farm half of our cropland is is north of the Trans Canada, and the rest, the other half is south, and uh, you don't have to go. You know, you just cross the the road or the or the road allowance, and and you can have a average to above average crop, and then the next field is 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 looking pretty sad because of lack of moisture. So it's it's a real very situation out there this year. Again, my guest is Jill Verway. She's the president of Manitoba's Keystone Agricultural Producers. Aside from those factors that we can't control, like the weather, Jill. What are the key issues facing Manitoba farmers? I think the big thing is the sustainable strategy going forward that that uh, you know that the federal uh, government is involved with going forward to become you know continue being sustainable and and sustainable in the future. I, I think it is a big a big uh, uh, item that is on all producers' minds. Uh, programming, um, you know, also the, the DRM, the, the risk product, uh, products that are available to, to mitigate any disasters as well as ongoing, uh, you know, our, our, our provincial crop insurance. Certainly uh, the, the new water strategy that was just uh, action plan that was, was announced uh, yesterday or this week. Um, certainly programming uh, to become more water efficient, more uh sustainable into the future uh all are, are all our topical uh uh topics so to speak that that farmers are are talking about right now as verway alluded to the manitoba government announced details last week of its first ever water strategy action plan it was a follow-up to the release last year of a new comprehensive water management strategy the action plan identifies 72 actions representing an investment of over 990 million dollars over the next five years and includes 221 million for programming under the sustainable canadian agricultural partnership over the next five years I think we've we've seen some of the the uh, intakes so far in some of the the BM, uh, BME uh, programming that was announced this spring for Manitoba producers specifically for efficiency in in water, uh, also efficiencies in, on on uh, crop storage uh, on the processing side, 
all of those things leading to become more efficient at the farm level and at the processing sector level all impact uh, farmers bottom line so if if there's you know proper programming in place to assist farmers to become more efficient then uh, farmers will have uh, i guess for lack of better words more dollars in their pocket to spend to further make improvements and become more sustainable into the into the future so i i think that that long-term plan is is necessary and and has been in the works and very happy that manitoba took a, a leadership role in 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 looking at overall water strategy uh including uh conservation efficiency and also um you know our ability to to uh uh, drain and to manage risk areas that that we have on our on our farm to become more efficient and more productive at the end of the day, and that allows producers to have the funds available to further uh, enhance uh, some of those efficiencies and uh, on their farm for the future. Burway says Manitoba farmers fully endorse the collaborative provincial water man- water management strategy and action plan. Several agricultural organizations, including Keystone Agricultural Producers, have joined the call for an end to the current strike by 7,400 B.C. port workers. Burwaite says they're keeping close tabs on that situation. We've been, you know, keeping an eye closely on it. We've taken some action in sending letters directly to the the Minister of Labor in regards to... uh, uh, seeing a conclusion and, and a deal there at, at the West Coast, and certainly if, if nothing is resolved, then, you know, uh, moving towards uh, back-to-work legislation, is, you know, to get things moving. Uh, that, that supply chain uh, on the West Coast is, is crucial for export. It's crucial for getting supplies into Canada. And uh, any negative impact on, on our economy and specifically on agriculture would have... Uh, you know, very, very critical, uh, uh, and, you know, and and uh, so we want to see a quick resolve in, in getting a deal made and, and uh, individuals back to work and, and uh, product uh, moving. Again, that's Jill Verway. She's the president of Manitoba's Keystone Agricultural Producers. It's 18 now before 1, before 2 in Manitoba. Livestock Market Conditions. Now here are today's closing U.S. livestock futures. August live cattle 177.20. That was up 20 cents at the close today. October live cattle 179.95, up 57 cents. August feeder cattle closed today at 246.25, up 82 cents. September feeder cattle 249.47, up 87 cents. Lean hog futures were down in trading today. August lean hogs, 94.17, down 97 cents. And October lean hogs closed today at 81.17, and that was down 20 cents. And again, those are today's closing U.S. livestock futures. We'll have the closing grain prices coming up here in about uh, seven minutes from now at 10 to 1, 10 to 2 in Manitoba. Drought conditions on the western prairies are bad and getting worse. Not everyone fully appreciates how bad the situation is, though. Agricultural commentator Kevin Hirsch says markets and governments 
have been slow to realize what's happening. I think a lot of people were watching last week's crop report from the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, and, and they had the statistics there, but they didn't really ring alarm bells. And there's always a bit of a lag. It takes a while for the information to be gathered from the volunteer crop reporters put together and then sent out for, for release. Uh, but conditions are slipping, but I, I just don't feel that there is an appreciation for how widespread the problem is. There's been a lot of mainstream media coverage about the, the drought conditions in many parts of Alberta, lack of cattle feed and, and parched crops. I don't feel that that's really gotten its uh, just coverage in Saskatchewan yet, but uh, the, as I see it, the, the conditions continue to deteriorate, and while we're not uh, looking at a situation as bad as 2021, we're looking pretty bad in a big chunk of Saskatchewan. Hirsch says it's important that the full extent of the drought situation is understood as soon as possible. In 2021, uh, the provincial government made moves to make it much more attractive for crop producers to give up or, uh, uh, salvaged feed for their cattle farming neighbors or, or if they had cattle themselves, cut it themselves to, to alleviate a livestock feed problem. So I think we need an assessment as to whether something similar to that is, is again required. The, if we're too slow to react, uh, that's, that's not a good thing. We have to be on, on top of the problem. So it's, it's important to fully understand where we're at so governments can, can make the, the right decisions, so producers can make the right decisions. And I, I think that's probably going to come because I, I worry that the, the situation is going to continue to worsen, but a delayed response is, uh, is not useful. Hirsch predicts that many fields will not be harvested this year and that Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation will be swamped with claims. I would say that there's going to be thousands of crop insurance claims. Uh, there's going to be some fields in the hardest hit areas that won't see a combine at all and some of those fields are already being written off by crop insurance. There's just not enough there to, to warrant running a combine over it in, in the worst cases. But in many other cases, the crop is there, but it's still likely to be a crop insurance claim or a borderline crop insurance claim. So I think in the, on the western side of Saskatchewan, and you also hear reports from uh, areas not on the western side of Saskatchewan where conditions are not bright, that uh, there's going to be a, a lot of crop insurance claims. Overall, we do have some good crops in the province, I believe. Their potential may continue to slip as well if uh, rains stay away and, and the temperature stays elevated. But there are other areas that are looking at a good crop, and that, that's going to balance it out to some degree. But overall, I think production not only in Saskatchewan but across western Canada is going to be disappointing, and that, that will have further ramifications uh, for the entire grain system. My guest is agricultural commentator and farmer Kevin Hirsch. We also discussed the ongoing port worker strike. Hirsch says there may be some movement to resolving the dispute. Sounds like there's a little bit of negotiations happening uh, finally. The, the two sides weren't even at the bargaining table. I think there would be a lot more pressure uh, being 
uh, exerted on government, except that grain ships, bulk grain ships, continue to be serviced uh, at the West Coast. That's part of the, the agreement. Uh, cruise ships also serviced. Where it's affecting the, the grain industry is on uh, uh, container shipments. A lot of our pulse crops and, and most of our specialty crops are shipped in containers. Container transloading and container shipping is held up. And then there's the whole bottleneck of everything else that's, uh, that's not moving. Uh, fertilizer uh, is, is one of the, the prime ones, uh, potash being exported. But the, the grain industry and bulk grain movement is not being affected, uh, and I'm not sure that that uh, is something that uh, people realize when they, when they hear that there's a longshore strike. But in this case, the, the bulk grain industry has been pretty fortunate. And finally, CN Rail's struggles shipping prairie grain to the West Coast continued in Green Week 48. Hirsch notes CP Rail fared much better. One railway is doing very well right now, CP, and one railway has been falling back a bit as far as the percent of orders it's able to fill, and that is CN. And there's probably numerous reasons for it, but I haven't really seen the, the longshore situation on the West Coast cited as a reason. Uh, as I understand it, there's, there's terminal space there, bulk uh, loading of ships is still happening. So what's happening with uh, with uh, grain movement by rail, I don't think has really been affected that I can understand it uh, anyway, uh, as far as the, the longshore strike. Agricultural commentator Kevin Hirsch, he farms near Capri in southwestern Saskatchewan. It's coming up on 10 to 1, 10 to 2 in Manitoba, and we do have the closing grain prices coming up next. Commodities Update. Now here are today's closing grain prices. November canola, 781.40 a metric ton. That was up 22.70 today. January canola closed at 785.10, also up 22.70. September Minneapolis wheat, 850 and a quarter a bushel, up two and a half cents. September Kansas City wheat closed at 811 and a quarter, down seven cents. September Chicago wheat also closed down today at 646 and a quarter, down three and a quarter cents. September corn, 492 and a quarter, up five cents. August soybeans, 1455 and a half, that was up 27 and three quarters. And September oats closed up today at 429 a bushel, up nine and three quarters of a cent. And those are today's closing grain prices. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Rod McDonald filling in for Doug Falconer this week. Sunshine, 18 degrees right now. We'll have the full weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Next, though, with the Farm Bulletin Board and Rob O'Connor, show director for Egg in Motion, will be along telling us about uh, next week's annual Egg in Motion coming up. First, though, science continues to play a pivotal role in ensuring Canadians have a safe source of affordable and abundant food. Advancements in plant breeding and gene editing will give farmers the tools to grow more food on less land. The following is an excerpt from the Ask a Farmer podcast produced by Canadian Food Focus. This is Ian Affleck, the vice president of biotechnology, with CropLife Canada. 
Farming and agriculture has always been changing. Ever since we started growing crops, instead of hunting wild animals kind of 10,000 years ago, we've been slowly improving the agriculture landscape, the way that we conduct farming. We've been modifying it. We've been enhancing it. We didn't know the science behind it for the first 9,000 years we were doing it. We were just doing it based on our gut and intuition. But then we apply that scientific method. We get all these great new technologies that come forward and we see the green revolution in the 60s and the, all this stuff coming together, information on how to farm, fertilizer, machinery like tractors, diggers, harvesters, all kinds of cool stuff all becoming available at the same time. And we see that huge increase in production on our existing acreages because we just have all these tools in our hands. And then I work in plant biotechnology. So this is plant breeding, dozens of different plant breeding methods, but the ones people like to talk about are GMOs and gene editing. And those two technologies have just allowed plant breeders to make even better and better varieties that have a greater potential to deliver their yield at the end of the season because they're easier to manage the weeds in those varieties. It's easier to manage the insects or they're drought tolerant or they're more disease resistant, you name it giving tools to plant breeders so that they can give better tools to the farmer in terms of different varieties that the farmer can select for seed. So yeah, it's changed. Farming has changed in the last 30, 40 years, but farming's always been changing. This is just the most recent changes. If you don't have the benefit or the luck of having grown up on a farm or spent time around one, sometimes these technologies aren't going to make sense as to why we need them. If you haven't tried to deal with weeds in a 200 acre field, you may not see the value of a herbicide-tolerant crop. If you haven't seen a corn rootworm come through and ruin a field of corn, you might not understand how important it is to have that crop already have the protection built in. And that's not the fault of the consumer. They just haven't had the opportunity to learn. So I think it's great conversations like this where we can dive into those issues, talk about things the farmers are fighting constantly in their field. And how there's companies out there and universities and research institutions that are trying to create new tools for those farmers to use in their endeavor to deliver food to us. That's Ian Affleck, Vice President of Biotechnology with CropLife Canada. It's 5 to 1, now 5 to 2 in Manitoba. Farm Bulletin Board. Well, Egg in Motion is coming up next week. It's located near Langham, just west of Saskatoon, along Highway 16. Rob O'Connor is the show director. He says this will mark the seventh live edition of Ag in Motion. There were two years during COVID where they ran a virtual show. O'Connor says the first thing you'll notice, or you may notice, I guess, when you show up at the site, is they have some improved access to the parking lots. That's right. The parking lot's going to be the same, but we did add two new gates on the south end of the, the show site. And that's just to help people get in faster, get them to where they want to go. And, and the exhibitors, too. We want to get them the opportunity to, at the beginning of the morning to get to their booths even faster. There are 90 different companies exhibiting in the livestock area, but we are also adding new anchor elements, and one of those is the new PV Mart Rural Pavilion. And in that pavilion is about 40 companies that are focused on providing you with things for your yard or your shop. So it's maybe not agriculture production-oriented, but certainly as you live on your farm, it helps you uh, to keep that farm beautiful. And then on the very west end, we have the feed mixer, feed processor uh, demonstration. We'll have about half a dozen companies doing those demonstrations every day as well. 
Another new addition to this year's Ag in Motion will be drone demonstrations. Yeah, this year we have, again, themed up another area of our show. So we have the drone demonstration area, and there's half a dozen companies that are there going to give you an opportunity twice a day to see how they collect data about the fields. So they'll fly their drones out there. They'll do some uh, mapping of the farm, and the farmers who are watching that can actually see what's happening in real time. Several companies use the backdrop of Ag in Motion to launch new products. O'Connor says Ag in Motion provides the perfect venue for companies to introduce their new offerings. We have a show that attracts tens of thousands of people, and it makes a lot of sense for companies who have the equipment or the crop inputs for this type of agriculture, dry land farming to do it here at the biggest show in our region or in this jurisdiction of Canada. Those companies put a lot of effort into it. And I think that has to do with, you know, the opportunity that you can actually operate that equipment, whether it's during the show or after show hours at a special customer appreciation event or launch party, those types of things uh, that can be done at a field level like we can offer. And uh, whether it's large international companies or even some of the smaller companies who have just a few employees, all those different sizes of companies tend to gravitate to our show and launch those products. Rob O'Connor is the show director for Ag in Motion. Western Canada's Outdoor Farm Expo will be held Tuesday through Thursday next week near Langham, just west of Saskatoon along Highway 16. And we'll hear more from Rob O'Connor on tomorrow's show. That's about it for today, though, and we'll close out GX on Agriculture with our precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, and Russell regions. Sunny this afternoon, wind north-northwest 20 to 40, high 19. Mainly clear tonight, wind diminishing, overnight low 7. And mainly sunny again tomorrow, south-southeast wind 10 to 20, high near 21. Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud, high 22. Thursday, a mix of sun and cloud, 30% chance of showers, up to 23. Then Friday, partly sunny, 30% chance of isolated showers, daytime high again, near 23. On this hour's temperature roundup, 15 in La Paw, Swan River, Shoal Lake Russell, Hudson Bay, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, all 17, 18 in Dauphin, Brandon, Broadview, and Mooseman, 19 degrees in Indian Head and Saskatoon, and 20 degrees in Regina. In the York and Melville region, it's sunny. The wind is uh, north at about 22, up to 35. Relative humidity, 41%, and our temperature is 18 degrees. That's our time for today. Join me again tomorrow afternoon at 1215, 1.15 in Manitoba for GX on Agriculture. I'm Rod McDonald. It's time now. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles.